0: that's www.beer52.com forward slash WTAF.
1: And now, another episode of
2: Hanging Out With The Bulls!
3: Hey Billy, are you coming to this pants party? I would, Brian, but. Oh, I say you're looking rather smooth, mate. What's happened there? Well, you could look this smooth if you went to manscaped.com. And let me spell that for you M A N S C A P E D.com. And I could save you money as well. You can How get, can you do that? <laughs> well, you could get the Lawnmower 3.0. That's what I use. Look, no stubble. Ooh, you can see there's not a hair in sight. I'm as smooth as a butt. Ooh, I'm going to go and order mine before I go to this pants party. Well, I could get you 20% off plus free shipping. Just go to manscaped.com and use the discount code WTAF. That's manscaped, M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. And use the discount code WTAF for 20% off and free shipping. Come on, Billy, you could look as smooth as me and we could hang out. I'm on it, Brian Balls. I'm on it. The following podcast contains strong language like What the Actual Fuck.
1: All right,
4: I'm Len, and uh, you're listening to What the Actual Fuck podcast. Don't know what the fuck that is. Some shit.
1: Scarecrow festival is like the most important day of the year. What? Daft cow? This is just ridiculous. What the actual fuck?
0: hey what the actual fuckers and welcome to wtaf of this country podcast now first he's the man that has just sorted out his parsnip pubes which is handy as our sponsor is manscape.com it's neil very true and what a gleaming shiny pair i have now <laughs> are you smooth like an action <laughs> <Yeah>. man <laughs> gleaming gleaming
2: like a bit of silverware
0: Oh, that's way too much information. Now, our superfan guest this episode is an actor, comedian, singer. He was part of the Heebie-Jeebies. He has appeared in such shows as Drop the Dead Donkey, Benidorm, Mr. Bean, KYTV and Nighty Night, to name a few. He also hosts the excellent My Time Capsule podcast and was the voice on one of the greatest and best-selling songs of the 80s. Now, hold a chicken in the air and please welcome to WTAF, Mike Fenton Stevens.
4: Hello. Good. Sorry, I'm just getting this deck chair out of my nose. I
0: like it. <laughs> uh, let's right. talk about
2: that single. Quickly, uh, we Mike,
0: we, we oh, not quickly. I want to go into depth. Yeah. We will talk into about this depth. country, but there is um,
4: no depth. There's no depth in that single. What are you talking about?
0: I it's I huge. can remember. I can remember. I had the 12 inch. I had the 7 inch. I might have even had the cassette single at the same time. It was. It was. I mean, I loved Spitting Image back in the day anyway, but that song was a phenomenon. It was a phenomenon. And, you know,
4: actually, I also have a 7-inch and a 12-inch of that, but I don't have the cassette version. And the reason I have them both is because um, I came back off holiday in Spain, In this is in the days when nobody had a telephone that you could actually call unless you went to a booth and put lots of coins in it. <laughs> so I came back from holiday in Spain uh, to discover uh, that my answer phone which was a very modern thing that I had, was absolutely rammed full of messages, all going, brilliant, hooray, congratulations. And I thought, what have I done? <laughs> I, I had no idea what I'd done at all. And then I rang Philip Pope, who wrote the music for it, and said, what's going on, Phil? You've, you've, written, you've rung me three times saying, you know, isn't it good news? And I, I don't know, have you had a baby or something? Hmm. And he said, he said, no, we're number one. So I then went to W.H. Smith, for their record department, which is they used to have, and uh, and I said, "Have you got a song? It's um, I think it's a chicken song." And they said, "Yeah, yeah, it's number one." I went, "Right, um, could I get one?" So I, I bought <laughs> my own record, and then I she said, what do you want? Do you want the six inch or twelve inch?" And I said, "I'll have both." I think. Yeah. And she went, "Okay, then." She must have looked at me as if I was completely mad because I was not. The 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 target audience for this record. She must have thought I was buying it for my child or something. But then I did that really really terrible thing of um, of actually sort of looking at her and grinning and then saying, yeah, that, "That's that's me
0: actually." <laughs> so
4: when you were re- recording
0: that, can you imagine must how
4: embarrassing bit... that is? Though for that girl, she, looked oh, at me <laughs> and she went. She really did the. She did one of those. What the <laughs> actual fuck? <laughs>
0: <laughs> but when you were recording that you must have looked over at, at phil pope and gone what the f- what are you making me sing this is ridiculous
4: yeah, yeah we did we yeah. did i mean it was really right at the end of the session it's always the way with those things that you never give anything any great regard you know we uh we, we'd done some really great songs in that session we did a fantastic michael jackson thing which was a uh, sort of a mistake a, a of bad and god it was fantastic we were so chuffed with it and then um and then Phil said, oh, we've got this thing, which is like a black lace thing, Agadoo." And he said to just a bit of a Mancunian accent, Mike, you do it. And I went, okay, how's it go? And he went, he goes, I said, oh, yeah, okay. So I sort of had the music there and I followed it along and it's fairly easy. And, mm. you know, he just he just waved his hand at me every time there was a key change. <laughs> and and,
1: and
4: I, I think we did it in about two takes. And then uh, And then everybody else came in and we all sang the chorus stuff together. And that was it. And you never think about it. You don't think of them. Even when they said we're going to release it as a record, everybody on it said, yeah, so. So it's extraordinary, isn't it? I think it sold over 750,000 copies, which mm. uh, if a record did that nowadays, it would be um, people would go mad.
0: It is it. crazy. Well, well, kids, go on YouTube and uh, and Google or go. Can you go No, don't. Don't <laughs> be fucking stupid. You don't want to... Don't it's go awesome. and listen to it. It's oh, no, you've got to, uh, a whole new generation. Be, it'd be amazing.
2: The,
4: image, the new spirit now. The new spirit image is coming out, isn't it? Yes, with the um, yeah. young people, I should imagine, you know, because none of us <laughs> people have been, in, in, you know, contacted. I mean, even John Lloyd, I think, just went, you're joking, aren't you? You'll,
1: yeah. you'll never make it.
4: You know, but yeah. it, it's the perfect time for it to come out, isn't it? And absolutely the perfect yeah. time. I awesome. really want to see Boris Johnson's puppet. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I want to see Boris Johnson's puppet strung up, actually. You know, <laughs> hopefully that's the first episode where they The trouble is
0: the, I think the puppet will be be more sort of reasonable than the actual real person. That's the only trouble with Boris Johnson. But we're not going to get No, let's not get into We're not yeah, going no, no, to <laughs> get political. Nope. Nope. Um, uh, Mike, I do
2: have another quick question about that song. So whose idea was it to release it and why?
4: Well, uh, Spitting Image, I think, the, the Spitting Image production company, they they thought, you know, there were always sort of silly comedy songs. So they weren't looking for a pop parody and they weren't looking for anything very specific. And that came along and it seemed to be just a sort of a generic silly song. So mm. they thought, well, you know, we'll release it. They had, I think, released uh, I've Never Met a Nice South African. Mm. which didn't get to number one. <laughs> I think it did in South Africa, actually. But, uh, <laughs> but you know, and they, we released other records, which it didn't do as well. You know, I mean, I've, I've, I was also saying the, the lead on the other single they released, which was Father Christmas is on the Dole.
1: Oh, Santa yeah, I remember.
4: Yeah, that was me. So, so I think once they found this winning formula, they sort of stuck with it for a bit. So every time they had a single to release, I was dragged in to see the, sing the lead vocal. <laughs> but it never worked again. <laughs> did you <laughs> sing
2: the South African one? Sorry, mate. I,
4: I, I sang on the you know, the backing of that. Yeah, all oh, right. And I sang on nearly all of them. In fact, you know, so the ones that, that I really remember and I, I remember fondly are there. Was a fantastic song we did. with we brought in all these amazing um, gospel singers, and we sang these sort of eight part harmonies to a beautiful song called um, "The Atheist Tabernacle Choir." Uh, that's worth looking up if you can find that it's a brilliant brilliant song basically you know if you don't believe in god clap (laughs) your hands (laughs) it's a great song uh, there we are happy
0: times happy times um okay we will uh, there's loads of other stuff we want to talk to you about but we will talk about this country um yes please uh on on the email you said that you Worked with Trevor Cooper um, quite a lot. Of I times have, yeah. Know, I have. I've
4: thing worked things. with a number of people on the show, actually. I worked with Trevor going way back. I think the very first time I worked with Trevor is one of the jobs that I remember most fondly because I live in Tunbridge Wells in Kent. And almost every time I ever get a job, I have to go to West London or the other side of London. So it always involves me getting up at the crack of dawn and either, you know, if I'm lucky, getting a car to drive me or driving myself round to the other side of London, because everything seems to happen round there. And just once they got in touch and said, yeah, we have found this really weird location. It's in a uh, roadside cafe. Uh, it's just outside a place called Tunbridge. Do you know it? <laughs> so yeah. so I, I basically was able to sort of leave home at, uh, at quarter to nine, and everybody else was schlepping up the A21 at, uh, at seven o'clock in the morning. So it was a fantastic job. But I did that with, um, yeah, with Trevor and Kenny Island, who I also performed with in... Benidorm, who's sadly no longer with us. But, uh, you know, Trevor, we've known each other for a long, long time. It's very strange when you see, well, I suppose you see yourself as well, but you see people playing, you know, really old duffers, people right at the end of their life. And you sort of go, oh, oh, look at Trev, you know. <laughs> he's brilliant. He is fantastic. And it's so sad, that's, that, that episode where he thinks he's found love. Yeah. And, I, mean, I mean, well, that is, to me, that's the the whole thing about uh, this country is that again and again, it makes you laugh. And then you just go, Oh no, that's so sad. That is so sad. Mm -hmm. I mean, again and again and again, you, you, it plays on your heartstrings. I made me cry a number of times watching that program. And 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 sometimes, sometimes
0: within the same scene as well, within
4: the same scene, just extraordinary how they will tell, they will tell you a story. They both be standing there talking, telling a story, I love it. I love it when they do that thing where they're talking about the other person as if they're giving away secrets about them, and they go right through the whole scene, and they say terrible things about them. She ain't going to do that. She'd never do that. She's rubbish at that. She's terrible. I mean, don't trust her. I wouldn't yeah. trust her. Very, you know, as far as I could throw her.
1: Yeah. And,
4: and then it, the shot widens yeah. out, and she's standing right next to me. Yes, <laughs> it's,
1: it's it's
4: a it's a brilliant, brilliant program. I mean, I, yeah. you know, I mean, I could talk about it. For hours and hours. I just the other day I did a commercial. Uh, Strange enough, one of the first sort of envisioned things that I've done since before lockdown. So really, this year uh, I did a commercial for Barclaycard with Nick Frost, who's uh, you know, and we were talking about comedy and and he hadn't seen this country, and I was talking really? to him about it and saying, you know, oh, you really must see it because to me there are sorry, I got a terrible cold, but there are there are several programs that that uh, I think. Really, right at the top of my list, you know. So, this I think, this country I think is probably right up there with him and her. Remember yeah. that series, which yeah. is just yeah, a, yeah. again masterful. I mean, it's a masterful series, uh, and uh, oh God, it's they're just they're, they're so beautifully done. I think you know that yeah. the comedy in them is so so. What he he you know Nick Frost said, yeah yeah. What about Nighty Night? And I sort of go, well. It, I, I agree, but I, I but I think that actually 99 is a bit more extreme, you know, it's a sort of, a, you could absolutely watch this country and believe it was uh, was a documentary. Uh, I'm sure that people did, I'm sure that people absolutely cheated. have, yeah. Quite often, you know, late at night, you'd turn, you'd flick channels and you'd see them standing, you think oh, I don't want to watch a bunch of losers in, in a cothpaw. <laughs> you know, and you flick over. I think I may even have done it myself the first time I watched it. And then, then, you, then you click onto it and you catch on to what's going on, you know. And, God, it's brilliant. It's really brilliant, isn't it?
1: Mm. Is I, mean, I don't have to tell you,
4: you're doing a bloody it, podcast about it. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Is that how you were introduced to it, just seeing it on the telly and catching it and watching it?
4: Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's strange, isn't it? Because you'd think that I would have known about it, as it were. I mean, I sort of actually just flicked on and found it on. I think it may have been my wife, actually, has said, who who was flicking through and just said, come and watch this. And, and I went and watched it. And then when it finished, I went, oh, it's it's Paul Mayhew Archer's son. I started, my career started almost with Paul Mayhew Archer, uh, who's Simon Mayhew Archer's dad. And um, when I was a very young man, I was in a radio series called Radioactive. And Paul was one of the, Paul was the second producer of it. The first was Jimmy Mulville, who who owns Patrick Productions and is uh, fairly successful. He was the first producer. Then Paul came in and took over and then he handed over to, uh, to um, some other people, you know, we had about three or four through the, through the series, but Paul then carried on right through my career. I've done a series called old Harry's game, which is with Andy Hamilton on radio Four for we did it for 16 years. We did loads and loads of series of it. It's a brilliantly funny comedy. If you ever, if you're interested in sort of the history of comedy, Mm. it's a great thing to listen to. But, um, you know, and Annie Hamilton is kind of, again one of the great writers. But Paul produced all those. So, so Simon's dad produced all those, and uh, and Paul now has uh, uh, Parkinson's. And uh, and I remember actually us sort of becoming aware of the fact that he had Parkinson's when um, almost before he did. I think he always, whenever we'd finished a recording, he would run down from the uh, from the booth at the back of the theatre with the audience and run down as if he was very excited. And then he'd he'd sort of lose his balance and fall over and just regain his balance in time as he got onto the stage. And it used to sort of liven the audience up ready for the retakes. And that, that was his little trick he did every time. And I remember him coming down once and actually really losing his footing. And and as he tried to climb the stairs, he lost his footing and rolled over and smashed into the speakers. And oh, we were all really worried that he was hurt. And I think it was maybe a very early sign of the fact that he had Parkinson's because he couldn't work out what had gone wrong. It was really... It's weird, isn't it? But he's an amazing man, Paul Mayhew Archer. Still well, we've,
0: I mean, we, we've interviewed him as well. Here, yeah, yeah, we have. And I was listening to him on your podcast, which oh, we'll yeah, talk yeah. about a little bit later on. And I thought it was just... He's he's one of those guys that, that he doesn't dwell on the fact that he's got Parkinson's. No. But he, he He's he's like really upfront about it. And obviously... He uses comedy as a way of of um dealing with it and i just find it fascinating and he's hilarious i thought that was a lovely episode that you did with him
4: oh bless you now well i've known him a long time so it's always difficult when you're talking to friends because you think to yourself well we're having a good time you don't know if other people are having a good time as well you know mm. so, so i'm glad mm. i mean actually you're right my wife says it's her favorite episode mm. of, of all we've done 35 episodes now and you know, there are others that i've like as well but uh, I can see why he's so naturally uh charming funny and at the same time serious you know he's, mm. he's so, you can see how a man like him would produce to sunlight I mean so I remember Simon coming to recordings that we did as a little boy you know I remember this little boy turning up and always being interested in the comedy always being interested in why the comedy worked and why a joke worked so he's he's obviously inherited exactly the same uh, skills that his father has because um that thing of knowing that something is going to be funny and knowing that actually leaving the pause and when to cut in and when to go wide and all those all those great skills i did um i think it may have been one of the first things that simon did as a producer i was um i, I, I think it was with with um it was might have been the pilot of of um of josh with josh widdicombe Mm-hmm. that Simon also produces. And strangely enough, I played the father uh, to Celeste Dring, who's she's also... It's Kayleigh.
1: Yes, she's Kayleigh. Kayleigh mm. Who's
4: the brilliant Kayleigh. And, you know, when you compare her playing Kaylee with her also then playing... Uh, she doesn't say Beatrice, she plays the other one. The, 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 uh, in the Windsors. In,
0: in the Windsors, yes, that's right. Yeah.
4: yeah. Yeah. It's extraordinary. I love seeing that. I love seeing it when people are... When people... Absolutely, you completely accept that that's who they are, and then you see them somewhere else, and they're completely different. You know, yeah. it's a it's a wonderful thing to, to see. I mean, I i spotted when we did this episode of of um, of Josh, I really like it when I come across a young actor that I think, oh my God, you're good, you're really good. You know, and and they, they they keep you on your toes. You know, you think so. Well, I've been doing this a long time, so I sort of know what I'm doing, and then somebody comes along and does it in a way that that really makes you sit up and take notice and she Mm -hmm. was one of those I immediately thought yeah no she's she's going places she's also it's not necessarily a question of becoming famous or going places and becoming successful she's got a career you can Mm -hmm. tell right from the start she's going to have a career she's you know she's the sort of person that you would want to constantly employ and and that I think is the trick to being an actor is to is to be someone who you know who people like working with and know that you can do the job, you know, and she was obviously that right from the start. But I'd never come across, um, I'd never come across Daisy May or um, what's her brother's name? Charlie. Charlie, that's it. Charlie Cooper. Yeah. I'd never come across them before. And uh, it's, it's interesting when you, so, so, you know, I didn't know who they were at all. And then to see them do it and God, he's brilliant, Charlie. He's really, I mean, she's Fantastic. But I, there are moments with him where you think that must be you. It, you must be like that because it's so beautifully observed and beautifully done. The little laugh that he does quietly and right—it's—it's right, it's almost inaudible sometimes. But sort of the laughter—that's that nervous laugh that he has. God, it's genius. It's, mm. it's absolutely genius.
0: So, Mike, when it comes to. Um obviously we've had season three and and from what Daisy and Charlie have said, there will be no more, although we do hopefully in a few years, there will be. What's your favorite series out of the, out of the three?
4: That's very difficult thing to say, isn't it? I mean, I can see watching, you know, I haven't watched back a lot. Uh, I've sort of gone with it. I've followed the journey. So it's difficult to remember what I really loved about season one, about the first series. And I, I think that actually, I think it's probably the second series because they really relaxed then and they, and they mm. really relaxed into it and everybody knew exactly what they were doing and they didn't push anything. Nothing mm. was pushed. Although, you know, I, I still think that maybe my favourite episode uh, is, is the second episode, the, very, the second episode of the whole thing, which is Rob Robinson. Mm. I, <laughs> uh, and the fact that they take that right through to the end, you know, that you come back at the end and that's mm. sort of that's sort of the thing that that um, you know, oh God, it's beautiful that moment when the Vicar's gone and you know, you really feel for these young people. You think so what you know, they're they're basically they're living in what other people would regard as being a, an idyllic life. They mm. live in the beautiful countryside. And I love the fact that they always shoot it. So they're never in the rain. Well, very rarely do you see them in, mm. you know, once or twice in a shelter, that they're sitting there and it's it's miserable. But generally it's really lovely there's, you know, summer sunshine, late summer sun, long shadows in the evenings. It sort of looks idyllic. It looks perfect. And then you have those, you realise that actually, at the same time, they're nearly always in the kitchen. Mm. You know, even though outside, there's this beautiful countryside. So that when they go to the wood, when they look at the steam traction, you know, steam fair, up, yes, and, and they just get, where are we? They're completely lost. They don't know the environments around them. You know, I mean, for them, going to Swindon is a big journey but they don't know and they do that thing where they they go up and they go back and they look back at the village at one point and they they go i've never been up here Mm. and you think it's just little phrases like that all the way through it that really tell the story of these people really puts them in in a place and you realize that although they've got all this it's no good to them at all because one they haven't got an education you know they just don't know anything although Mm. he's amazingly sort of how does that, how does, you know, Curtin just the, the, the things that he's obviously picked up as a character, as a person through life, because his references are from everywhere, aren't they? They're sort of, yeah. And everything, but you probably, the chances are that he's picked them up through game playing.
1: You know, yeah. Or, or I thought reading. his
2: Nan, because he likes to have are a it? natter with his Nan. I thought the, his Nan, nan. oh, no, yeah.
4: Maybe, maybe, maybe she's maybe she's the one that's got this broad mm. knowledge that, you know, you never he's not interested in watching the telly or anything, you know, so it's, it, he doesn't seem to be interested in that at all. He is a talker, isn't he? He likes mm. to talk. Mm. And, and uh, when those sort of references and the, the, the sayings that he, he comes out with, which are clearly picked up, he's gleaned from all over the place. And you think to what well, fundamentally, you are looking at, 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 at a, a young man who really is very bright. And yet he's had no education. Nobody's done anything with him. And he sort of, he sees things in a very complicated way. And that's what makes his life so complicated. The fact that he just finds, you know, the idea that he would mention somebody from school and say, well, you remember, he was there two weeks. You remember, and you remember Rob, Robert Robertson. <laughs> and they go, no. No. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, the fact that they always describe him as somebody who then becomes obsessive about these things, that to me shows... A sort of an inquisitiveness and an intelligence that you know that Daisy May's character, you know that that, she, that Carrie really doesn't have. She is not. She thinks she knows everything already, you know. Mm. And you come and we all know those people
1: mm. who just Absolutely.
4: go, I, 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 I don't need to. I don't need to learn anything because <laughs> yeah. it's obvious.
2: Yeah, everything's obvious. Yeah. But it's the way the programme also resonates with people, that they've had those experiences growing up, you know, isolated in the rural communities, not having anything to do, and your highlight of the week is catching the 51 bus to Swindon or whatever. Yeah. And that's where I think a lot of the audience are addressing it and appreciating the programme. But it's funny, you know, people always think this about
4: uh, a thing, that actually you need to have had that experience yourself in order to appreciate it. I had a very strange... This is going to like, it's going to sound like name dropping, and it is name dropping, uh, in as much as I went to a BBC party after the first series of The Office had just gone out. Mm. And it wasn't terribly big at that point. But I cornered Ricky Gervais and Steve Merchant and said, God, that's brilliant. It's a brilliant program. And they went, oh, right. Did, what, did you used to work in an office? And I said, no, I've never worked in an office, no. And they went, well, you know, how do you get it? And even after the first series of that program, they were still convinced that really their audience were people who knew that world. Yeah, yeah. And you don't have to know that world. You don't. No. I don't know the world of a Cotswold village and people hanging around in bus shelters. I don't know that world at all. But I absolutely appreciate what it would be like to be in that world. Mm. You know. And it's the same. You look at that progression. I think that 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 whole progression of those things going from programs like. And now I saw a site, um, People Like Us, which is not a program that's mentioned very often nowadays, mm. unfortunately, because it starred Chris Langham and he's sort of persona non gratis. Yeah. Uh, and uh, But he was a brilliant, brilliant comic actor for all his foibles mm. and faults. And that is an absolutely uh, astonishing series, uh, People Like Us, two series of it. So if you've never seen it, it's, it's amazing. You should watch it. Almost everybody in it uh, is now famous apart Mm. from me
0: i would say Uh, no 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 i think you're famous sir i think you're famous i don't think you realize this you've got that face that's the thing (laughs) (laughs) you have that yeah
4: but you look at that regression you look at those people like you know so i was talking to tom goodman hill who's uh who was in The Office and he was also in People Like Us and he sort of said that you know, in Ideal with Johnny Vegas, those sort of very naturalistic things. And John Morton wrote uh, People Like Us and then he went on to, to write uh, uh, 20, 2012 and W1A and that style of doing something, I, I would like to talk to, the, to them and say, you know, how much of it is, is improvised or how much of it is worked out before, you know, mm. how, how strict are the scripts because you can never tell. I mean, people like us was absolutely strict. There was no improvisation involved in it at all. It was completely, even the, uh, I've got the director's, director's note from John Morton once where he said to me, the, the um that you said in that sentence is an uh. <laughs> er." Yeah.
1: <laughs>
4: yeah, so it's that detailed. Uh, but you then have to learn the thing incredibly, uh, incredibly well so that you can then say it as if it's just come out of your head. Mm. Um, secret of all acting, really. I mean, I still remember lines where he said to me, so do you do you, uh, do you think you've lost your faith? I would have played a vicar in it, strange enough. And, you know, terribly envious of, uh, of the vicar in this country, but never mind, can't <laughs> play them all.
1: <laughs> you know.
4: But actually, I, I would never, ever have played it as brilliantly as he plays it. It's uh, mm. fantastic. But anyway, John Morton said to me, um, gave me this line, he said, do, do you think, Chris Langham said, do you, do you think you might have lost your faith? And, and I, I said, no, 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 no. No, no 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 yes possibly <laughs> and but that is exactly as it was written the yeah. nose the, the sport the stops everything and i've learned it you know so i still have that muscle memory of of having forced it into my head exactly as, as it was written so it would be interesting to find out i might talk to trev actually and, and just say you know when when you're doing it because it I can see there looks to me as if, you know, there's there's an element of improv in it. I've never asked anybody.
2: Mm. Oh, we have. Anyway. Yeah, we, we have. have. You know. Yes. Yeah, we've, it's been a question that's been asked to us many times, to ask mm. them as well. But um, the third series, I believe they allowed more improvisation, whereas before right. it was mainly all scripted. Yeah. The majority, the majority of it is scripted.
0: They were on such a tight budget and such a mm. tight timeline that they didn't really have time to do it, but I think they had a little bit more time in regards it's to It's very filming. difficult
4: to edit things, I think, when you don't. I, I suspected that it would be done like that, that actually they would know what they were doing and not just be making it up. Because you can do things also, then, and you think, this, of, oh, that was really funny. And then when you get back to editing it together, you go, oh, no, it sort of gets in the way. It's, it, it doesn't really work. And you can see that it's a cheat, you know. Uh, so, yeah, best to work out the script beforehand, learn it, and then have the brilliant skills that they have to make it look as if they've just...
2: Interrupted each other
0: exactly it's, and make it look natural exactly as yeah. an act
2: as an actor Mike is is yeah. improvisation something you enjoy doing? I do enjoy doing it. I have done
4: it um it, it it does frighten me a bit, you know because i because I know other people have much greater skills when it comes to improvisation mm. I think the reason I like it is because in order to get good at it, you have to relax you have to, in order to be able to do it well, you have to be at ease. Otherwise, your brain sort of uh, freezes up. You know, you, everything comes at you too quickly. You're too worried about other things. You can't concentrate on what you're doing. But if you're absolutely relaxed, all those games that they play in improvisational things where, for example, you start telling a story and then somebody points to someone else and they pick it up immediately, and then they point back again. And they, have you ever seen those games? Yeah, Just, yeah. All those sort of things. The only way to do them well is if you're relaxed. Because then when you're at ease and relaxed, everything seems to have more space around it. You you, you feel as if there's more time available.
3: And I
4: I do love the process. We did with Nighty Night. I was in Nighty Night with Julia Davis. And there was was a, a strong element in that of absolutely what we're saying, which is learn the script, do it. But then every now and again, Julia would come in and say, I've just had a brilliant idea. Let's do this scene. And uh, and we said, well, what is it? She said, well, just sort of follow me. And occasionally, we would do improvised scenes in it. But mm. actually, very very few of them made it into uh, into the final program. Mm.
1: So
4: they were great. They were great fun to do because you never knew what was going to happen, and they and it, we would always end up laughing.
0: I was going to say, Nighty actually... Night have got some of the best bloopers that you can you can see of you, oh, YouTube. Yes. Yeah, it must yes, have been well, hard trying to just keep a straight face.
4: Well, uh, particularly once uh, Mark Gators came into it he yeah. a terror. He's a mm. he's a, he's terrible. You know, he just he will just go at the, at the slightest thing and uh, which is a joy to be working with but uh, you know it means that filming is it shows how relaxed he is I think.
0: Mm.
4: That's why he's such a great performer.
0: You said just a second ago about the fact that you're not famous. Now I'll yeah. I'll tell you a little story that I my my daughter one of my daughters asked me oh who you got a podcast with this week and I said well it's uh an actor Mike Fenton Stevens and he went she went no I said can you remember I said can you remember Mr Bean I mean the episode when he was in the hotel and like he was wolfing down all these oysters and then there was a gentleman there that took a sniff of one and went oh no 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 she went oh my god you're talking to him I went, "Yeah, (laughs) that's the one I'm talking to so there we
1: are
4: but again you see it once again it's interesting isn't it that that scene with Rowan we must have spent 3 or 4 hours rehearsing that scene before right. we filmed it so once again it's uh, it's sort of you know you know your stuff incredibly well before you do it and then you can make it look as if it's uh, as if it's mm. happened by accident you know it's, it's mm. very few which is why i think i admire uh, uh, improvisers because they really do occasionally do works of genius that have just come straight out of their heads yeah,
1: yeah.
0: the other
4: person doesn't know it's going to happen and they go along with it and it's amazing
0: So when you're filming that and like, it's your reaction to what it is that, that Rowan Atkinson is doing. Yeah. Is he doing that stuff off camera or are you, are they just saying, right, you need to react like this or.
4: With that, he was, he was doing it off camera. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, he's very meticulous, Rowan, Mm. and he never leaves the the scene and never goes off. Well, I'm not in this shot. So I'll walk away. No, no, he's, he's there right from the, the, the word go right all the way through. And you know it's it's why his comedy is so detailed and so perfect, I think in many ways, because he really looks at the tiny tiny moments, all the movements I remember uh, there's a if you ever watched that episode, there's a moment where I come down the stairs into the foyer of the hotel and then I realize that I've left my watch behind, so I go back, and the idea is I nearly catch him sort of going into my room or something you know I can't really remember it but uh, I came down the stairs and did this shot, you know, going oh, looking at my wrist and then turning around and going back. And Rowan came up and said, If you tap your wrist, they'll know what you've what you've forgotten. And I I tried it. You know, I just got when I looked at my wrist and went, Just touch your wrist.
1: Mm.
4: And and it, it was clear as a bell clear as a bell. It's mm. really obvious what's happened. You know, that that yes, this man has forgotten his watch. And and that's the sort of that's the sort of skill that he has. I think mm. you know, I tried those, those little minuscule
0: moments. Yeah,
4: but little tiny things you'll see it in almost everything he does, where they're, they look accidental, but they're incredibly well worked out. You know, mm. I, I watched him. Um, I watched the very first performance of of Rowan doing the uh, the pianist that he did at the Olympics. Uh, yeah, that's very weird. Very weird to have seen that sort of uh, just very you know that's sort of almost, almost a solo performance and then suddenly it's performed to the world those, <laughs> things, those things in your life are, are really weird when they happen you think it's god i saw this in his front room <laughs>
2: <laughs> and now he now he's at the olympics
0: oh <laughs> dear um so you know, oh go well, on, go on i was
2: gonna say going back to this country mike um with the other characters apart from kerry Curtin and the vicar is there anyone else that You
1: absolutely love
4: her. Oh, my God. Who's not terrified of Mandy? (laughs) (laughs) Terrified. (laughs) No. uh, Oh, God. No, what? There's no acting involved there, is there, from from the other people, because she is terrifying. Mm. I mean, you just have no idea what that woman is capable of. Those drawings for the tattoos. (laughs) You know, you would, though, if you sat with that woman in front of you, saying, well, which one do you want, then? Yeah. You would go um the elvis one <laughs> you do it small you would wouldn't you
2: you
1: would
4: because yeah. you just wouldn't be able to turn her down oh god no it was so many things i mean so many things who's the name of the actor who's so um trevor plays len doesn't he that's yeah. right yeah what's the name of the arthur arthur, arthur. <laughs> yeah it. arthur that's it arthur yeah it comes back to me I love the argument those two have by the bin, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and Arthur. Uh, Arthur is an, an actor. Is um, they um, what's his name? He's a I famous know. RSC actor.
0: Yeah, I, 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 I always really. forget the gentleman's name as well, and I shouldn't. But it's... David
4: Hargreaves.
0: That's David Hargreaves.
4: David Hargreaves. I mean, he's he. He worked with Olivier. He goes right back. He's he's one of. He was part of Olivier's uh, company. Came out of the RSC, and then he worked at the Old Vic in, in the famous season, doing mm. you know, the critic and all those sort of things. So, uh, I, I I mean I mean I'm a sort of a an aficionado of those of old actors. I do like mm. old actors, and it's very strange to suddenly be one. You know, uh, it's it's a weird thing. Uh, all my all my career, I've liked I've really liked the company of, of boring old actors, <laughs> and 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 I have exactly turned into one. You know so it just you know people who just sort of tell you stories i've I've got extraordinary stories that people told me when I was a young actor because I, w- I was willing to sit and listen to these old farts uh, <laughs> talk about you know acting so for my generation, the people that I'm talking about so when I was in my twenties people who were who were my age or older in their seventies or eighties they'd they'd acted during the first world war mm. They, they, you know, there were people who'd been in, in involved with actors. I mean, I mean, I think I actually worked with an actor who has a young actor, had, uh, had worked with Edmund Keane,
2: which seems absurd, doesn't
1: it? Yeah,
4: yeah.
2: You know,
1: so it's
4: it, it's, it's quite extraordinary, though. You know, it and, is. And, I,
2: I'm, I'm with you though, Mike. I love it when you get introduced to things. I always remember a friend of mine introduced me to Todd Slaughter. Right. You know you know who I'm talking about, like I Mariah do, yeah. uh, Martin and Murder in the Red Barn and the way that he acts. If you ever get a chance to watch him, Pab, please do. Because everything <laughs> was always over the top, every action. It was very pantomime, but he made a film career out of it. And yeah. I find that fascinating, those sort of things. And those well, things that,
4: that style, you know, I mean, actually, you look at it now, there are very few people who can do it. There are very few mm. people who can do that large acting, as it were and carry it off without it looking like a spoof, without it looking like a parody. You know, but that that ability to, if you listen to recordings of, of things going back that far, Olivier, when he first started, everybody said, well, you know, it's ridiculous. He's so naturalistic. And then, then watch Olivier do, now is the winter of our <laughs> discontent.
1: Fucking <laughs> <laughs> <I'm> mad. <Yeah. laughs>
4: and so they thought that was subtle. So mm. it's really interesting, isn't that progression? If you look at the progression of 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 things coming in closer and closer and closer, so that in fact you don't have to do anything; you just have to think it, and mm. the audience can see it. Mm. The realization that an audience is is skillful enough to to get what you're what's going on without you ever having to really tell them.
1: Mm. You know,
4: I mean, I I I love that, and that's that's one of the great strengths of this country. I think is that they don't. They never labour anything. They never no. push anything too much, you know. No. And it's it, it it means it's worth going back and looking at it again because I'm sure there are loads and loads of things that you'd miss, you know. Uh, just uh, I don't know the detail, the precision of it, or just the whole idea of uh, you know Charlie's performance once he gets behind that bar in the Bowls Club we've all seen someone and you know but he's desperate he's absolutely desperate as a young man to be given some responsibility
1: mm.
4: to be given something to do Yeah, it's, it's so painful to watch you know when he when he nearly goes off to swindle and is going to go there you you can feel the excitement in him that actually mm. this might be it i might get out of this place i might go somewhere i could might, you know he knows that he's worth something he knows he can do something He's never going to get the chance.
0: I think never you feel you feel like his his main responsibility is Kerry, and yeah. he feels that that's that's basically what his job is. That's that's nothing yeah. else is going to be able to move him away because he has to look after Kerry. So
4: and she needs looking after. And she know, needs, after as, as we can tell, with the, the just to not see through her father and all that sort of stuff. Just to you know for it to be so blindingly obvious to everyone. It's um oh god that's a just the most horrendous character isn't it? It's a brilliant Absolutely. performance all of all the way through. You know Martin is just oh my god. Oh he's a shit
0: house. That's what we say. He's a shit house. That's what we said from the start.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, right. Um, well, we're going to have a little quiz. Uh, I did say okay. to you on the thing we're going to, but it's very simple. We're going to play Kerry or Curtain. I'm going to give you a line of dialogue. You need to tell me whether it was Kerry or Curtain that said it.
4: Oh, wow, this is exciting. Okay, yeah. so we've got yeah. five
0: of these to do, uh, and here's I, number one. The weather in Frankfurt is 21 degrees Celsius, and we wish you a pleasant stay in Frankfurt. Is that Kerry, Kerry or
4: That's Kerry. Kerry. That is. Well that's done. That's when she's doing, doing being the, flying the planes with her dad.
0: Indeed. Peeping Tom episode, one out of one. Number two. It's her own fault, actually, because she led me down this path.
1: Um. No, I'm going to have to guess. So I'm going to guess
4: Curtin.
0: That was actually Kerry. Random Acts where, where, of Kindness. That's Random Acts of Kindness when she got Sophie back because she thought that Curtin wanted to get back with Sophie, but actually he wanted to make things better with the vicar. So Yeah, so, uh, yeah, so uh, oh. question number three. Uh, I didn't say anything because I knew you'd react like this.
4: <laughs> that's got to be it's got to be curtain
0: no that's kerry <laughs> that's <laughs> in promise. the that's in the driving lesson episode when uh curtain finds out that uh june is have is opening a garden up yeah <laughs> like, i didn't say anything because i knew because he was absolutely livid oh wasn't my he? god Yes, he was shaking oh. shaking with rage
4: <laughs> oh my god that shot of the shot of that poor woman Picking up her bag and getting up out of her chair <laughs> at the end of the day, yeah. waiting for people to come into her garden. It, it's just, it's so beautiful because it's so far away and so small, but it, it it's gut-wrenchingly painful, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, and wow. she slashed, anyway. slashed
0: her price from 50p to 20p, 50, whatever it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay, oh, number God. four. Number four, he looks like a laugh here, but in real life, he's a nasty old bastard.
4: Oh yeah, no. It's got to be uh, that's got to be curtain.
0: That's Kerry again. <laughs> no, that's,
4: <laughs> that's extraordinary. And that's... you know, I would never have guessed that their lines were so that in fact they say things. They just that really sounds like a curtain line, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, that that's, that's <laughs>
0: when uh, Kerry is staying up it's her birthday, and she's waiting for the Nighthawkers on Facebook, and it's only a uh, a uh, gramps or uh, grumps that has uh, that's said only one. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's he's a nasty old bastard in real life. So, that's one out of four so far. Terrible, Uh, terrible. uh, They've all been Kerry so far as well. So, number five. The only thing we had in common, really, was stealing.
1: Is that Kerry (laughs) or Curtin? I remember that line. The the pressure.
0: The pressure. The pressure is, I'm
4: I'm going to go Kerry.
0: It was Kerry. It was yeah. a, it, all of them were Kerry. That was letter from Slugs when she's ah, of course she's getting, it was. Yeah, from letter the from, from the uh, from the uh, the dump where she's buying. All that all does, these...
4: all that does, is make me realise that I have to watch them all again,
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs>
4: and, and that means my wife is going to come in and find me sitting with the headphones on. <laughs> Just looking at my iPad, going, "What do you? Oh, you're not watching it
2: again, are you? Yeah. No. And what's not to love when you do? That's the indeed problem, what's True. not to love.
0: Now, I was when I was listening to your podcast with Paul Mayhew Archer, you was talking about um, the fact that you had eight auditions for Beauty and the Beast. Yes, and that it was between you and Derek Guiler.
4: Yeah, no, not Derek uh, Guiler. Oh, wasn't it? No. Well, I did say it was Derek Guiler,
0: oh, but it wasn't.
4: In fact, it was, uh, I, I don't know, neither of us spotted the mistake. It was actually Derek Griffiths.
0: Derek Griffiths. Of course, Derek guyler was... Um, Derek guyler
4: was the washboard man. The, the Sykes, man. yes. He used to play the washboard. He was, washboard. He was about... <laughs> I think he, it, if it had been him playing it, he would have been about 80 at the time. He, he I could he survived. just
2: realised.
4: He could never have survived a year. <laughs> It would have killed him off. <laughs> Can you imagine it? Be our guest, <laughs> chik-tum, chik-tum, chik-tum. be our guest. Would have been terrible. Uh, I'd like to
0: see it. That's only just. I've even wrote Derek Guiler on here, and it never clicked. So that that was he was from like, the Eric Sykes show and stuff, wasn't he? It was, yeah. The, oh, oh, anyway, no, Go, yes, on, go right. on, Sykes. <laughs> no, 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 behaviour. Oh on, my goodness. So Derek Griffiths. The the question I wanted to ask was yes. You said that you because you're an actor, you used. you had like three auditions yesterday that they all turned you down and stuff. But when it's when you know it's between you and somebody else, that must oh, be hard tough. be harder than than just like being told, Oh no, yeah, not, getting not, down not. to
4: the last two. Sometimes people when your agent rings you and says, Yeah, yeah, it's you you're down to the last two and you think, Oh no. I right. hate this. I yeah. hate the last two I can tell you a number of occasions in my career where I, you know, I've, I flew back from Spain where I was on holiday, having a fabulous holiday with my children, swimming around in a pool. And my agent said, "Yet yeah, they want to see you again for Anything Goes for the West End. And I'd never played a musical in the West End. So, in fact, I think I hardly ever have. <laughs> uh, and uh, every, the only one I did was was a complete flop. Anyway, I, I went back and I thought, myself, so, you know, well, this, you know, it was going to be Elaine Page and uh, it was really good fun. And so I went into it and I flew back and I practiced the songs and I learned the scenes and I got home, sat at home on my own, thinking, oh, they're all out there in the sun. And then I went into London, I went to the audition, I sat backstage and they showed me through and I sat in a little room backstage and and I could hear the other person, me and them. And I could hear them on stage singing and they had a beautiful voice. I mean, a really lovely singing voice. And I held on to the thought with, well, oh, maybe they're not as good looking as me. <laughs> Quite good looking. Yeah. And then then I thought, oh, they're bound to be good looking. And then I thought, well maybe they're not as funny as me because I knew there was comedy. And it was the, the the scenes that I of the scenes I I would have had to do with, um, with a a very good comedian. Anyway, I can't remember his name, but there were, so uh, I thought I'll hang on to that. And then the person finished and you could say, I here and say, okay, bye, bye, bye. And he had an American accent. The character was American. And then he came through the door and it was John Barrowman. (laughs) And I thought, what a fucking waste of time! <laughs> flying all the way back here. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Doesn't matter how fucking funny I am, bastard. Look at him. And it was true. I went on stage and I was really funny. I made a lame page cry with laughter in my audition bit. And I get the bloody part? No chance. <laughs> Going to give it to John Barrowman, aren't you? Oh, and, you know, so God. yeah, it's happened a number of times. The worst one, I sat in. I sat outside a, an audition for an advert for Germany where they wanted to buy us out. They wanted to buy us as a character for this thing in Germany called Pieter Perfect. And there are a whole series. They're like B&Q in Germany. They're all the DIY stores. And me and this other bloke just happened to look like a cartoon that they'd char- they always used for Pieter. We looked like him. Yeah. But me and a bloke who looked a bit like me, both with gray hair, uh, but, you know, young, reasonably slim, we looked like this bloody character. We sat outside, and just before then, my agent had rung me and said, okay, they want you to agree to the deal before you go in. And I said, okay, what is the deal? And he said, so they want a 15-year buyout uh, at a uh, £100,000 a year. I said, sorry? <laughs> they said they want a 15-year buyout, £100,000 a year. You're not allowed to do any other adverts in Germany. And I went, okay. Well, that's, that's, a cool one. I don't know, but I'll get through that. But I was sitting there thinking, it's me or him, one and a half million quid. And oh it was him. God.
0: Oh, no. It wasn't John Barrowman again, was it? No. No, he
4: looks, he looks nothing like Peter Perfect.
0: No. So, ah, well. It would have
4: been one time I could have beaten John. I wish <laughs> yeah. it was like John Barrowman. you can see it's a weird life it's it's a strange life to go through you know sometimes these things happen and people do end up you know it changes their lives and other times I can't tell you the number of times I've been for jobs where if they'd come along at the time I thought wow this will change my life Mm. and then actually the one time I was in something we got a phone call from uh, from Switzerland saying you've won the golden rose of Montreux and we went what fantastic yeah the BBC are over the moon they can't believe they haven't won it for years and you know you're you're the best comedy program and everybody loves it you're going to be you know they're going to really push it now you're going to be famous and we got back and they cancelled it oh no (laughs) (laughs) it's extraordinary so there you are so who knows you know I've, I've 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 learned to never really think that anything is gonna you know I just keep poodling along and i'm having a very good time thank you very much
2: because <laughs> with auditions did you prefer the old the older way where you would go to an audition or do you quite like the um the video the self-tapes that you do your...
1: yeah
4: I, I, well I, d- I did prefer the going there because you know I mean, it's a bit of a pain actually because you have to go on and i live out of london so i'd always you know you're giving up a day almost to go to these things but i like to see the person in front of me and uh of course, if you're doing something and, and you've finished, with a good director, you can say to them, how was that? Mm. Was that what you wanted? Because, you know, tell me and I can do it differently. Uh, that was me just plumping for something, just, you know, yeah. on first reading. Mm. So if you want me to, and, and quite often people have said, no, 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 this person's much more nervous than that. Or, you know, no, no or, or this person is, is, you know, I just want you to really, you know, just flip it off. And you go, okay, fine. And then you do it. And, and uh, so th- the first audition is not necessarily the best. Uh, but with a self-tape you are basically judging what you think they want to see you know you're allowed to give a couple of variations but also at the same time you're slightly nervous about giving too much of a variation Mm. because you think yourself well it shows that you're sort of uncertain about it so you sort of go okay this is what I think they want I'm going to do it here it is and you give it to them I mean I quite like the process because I you know I mean I' make a podcast, so i i i like the idea of sitting in front of computers and learning how they work and things, so um you know editing and that sort of stuff and and you know I like all that, and I also quite like the process of filming myself on my phone and then loading it onto the thing and then putting it together and putting titles and you know so I think mm. that could be an advantage you you can gain an advantage over over other actors who basically don't know that stuff, so mm. in fact the technology really helps. If I could present myself in a in a you know, a self tape and it looks like a, a major feature film, but this advert I did at the weekend, I'm, I'm convinced I got it because I basically went, Okay, I haven't done anything for a long time, I'm really gonna try and get this. You know, and I basically had to be a sort of a Sherlock Holmes character. And I raided the loft, got all the costumes, did the works, you know, I set the scene, I I made the room look like a an Edwardian study. And I filmed myself and put together a little film of me doing it, you know. And I think, you know, they'd be fools not to not to employ me on that basis, (laughs) even as an editor, maybe.
0: (laughs) 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 A whole new career.
4: (laughs) Yeah. Suddenly they say, "No, no, you know, you've got it. You've got the job. Great, great. Should I bring my own costume? No, no, no. You're not acting. (laughs) (laughs) What you there as the sound man? They loved it.
0: (laughs) Um. So we, we won't uh, keep you much longer, uh, Mike Mill. Thank you very much. That's all right. Okay, you know, been...
4: my, I, I, don't worry about it. My dinner's downstairs. I can always warm it up. Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, I've got a quick question about this country again. Yes. With, um, obviously, them saying that this country is over, they haven't ruled out uh, coming back in 10 years' time. Would you like to see that or not?
4: I, I would. I would. I think, you know, like 10 years' time would be extraordinary. Mm. It's, it's always, but people always talk about things like that. You know, they always talk about revisiting something after a long time, see where the people are now. Without a doubt, they'd be in exactly the same situation, mm. wouldn't they? As, so sort of, we know where they're going to be. That's, in a way, one of the, the tragedies of the program is that no matter what, you know, whatever happens to them, apart from death, you know, which seems to happen all around them, Mm. nothing's going to change their circumstance. You know, Kerry's mum will die and, and she won't get to do that very funny voice anymore. <laughs> and, uh, and, and, oh, you know, I, which would be a shame, but they'll probably by then have an, you know, you just, you wouldn't want to lose that. You'd want to have Kerry.
1: <laughs> what?
4: Kerry.
1: <laughs> exactly. What?
4: You know, you got the rhythm of that. You want to hear that every time, you know? So, I mean, it, I, I can't see that. Uh, you know, maybe maybe you shouldn't. Maybe you should just should shouldn't mess with perfection because there are so many things where you think, "So yeah, let's see where they are now." Mm. And, you know, uh, I, we really shouldn't have seen where the trotters were mm. once, they, once they got a million. Once they got a million pounds, it, it was that it was a point. It was a silly thing to do. Mm. You know, I shall ask David Jason that myself because <laughs> I am going to interview him for my podcast.
0: Oh, Very fantastic. Really? I know.
4: Yeah. Isn't wow. that, a coup?
2: that wow, is wow, a coup? Wow.
4: I know. I am yeah. in a couple of, I am about to record for audiobook uh, David Jason's autobiography, his second one,
2: mm.
1: uh,
4: which is coming out and, or edit point has just come out.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Depending <laughs> on when you're hearing <laughs> this. <laughs> when, <laughs> when I, <yeah. laughs> Depending on Absolutely. when you're
4: hearing this. Anyway. Yeah. So, um, uh, you know, and I've, uh, because I've, been involved in some things that he's done over the years and I've sort of coincided with him a number of times on things through Terry Prashett all sorts of things I, mm. an episode of Only Fools um, I, I basically got in touch with his agent who used to be my agent a long time ago and said you know do you think David would be when he'd let me go around and sit in his tool shed and, and you know, chat with him and she said well, I'll ask not a thing he ever does
1: no and
4: then she came back and said "Yeah, David said you know why not that's amazing. Wow. Isn't
0: that amazing? That is amazing. Well, we will put a link to your podcast in the show notes so that people can, because I've been listening to l- loads of the episodes over the last few days, and and Rhys-Jones one was absolutely fantastic. That was so funny. I mean, the, the fact that he, he got, I think, six things into his time capsule yes, for know. a start, didn't he? And he started and also, with a thing that he wanted to get rid of as well, which I thought was quite yeah. refreshing.
4: And also, uh, you hear these people... I'm amazed, actually. Some of the people I've had on there, they just don't care. It's great when you get people sort of in a way towards, a bit like me, towards the end of their career. And you go, I don't care. I don't care. I've done it now. I've been there. I've done it yeah you know, yeah and if people don't like it there you go bad luck you
0: know. yeah i mean the thing was with Griffith he's sat in a big house he's made yep. his money so he really doesn't give a shit what people think nope. about him what he does he and it, it sounded so it's such a lovely life that he's got that he just yes, he doesn't care about anything anymore you know um mike thank you so much for spending some time with us it's been a real no, it's been great honestly fun. it's been a real pleasure to speak to you it really has it really um, has uh, good luck with all the auditions. Uh, let's hope that John Barrowman isn't anywhere near any of them.
4: Uh, <laughs> he's, 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 no, he's isolating. He's isolating in America. Oh, yes, uh, he, now's uh, the no, moment. Now's the time.
0: Now's the time. Um, and, In uh,
4: olden days, <laughs> a glimpse of stocking <laughs> a book on a something shop and I'll have a nose. You're hired. Well,
0: you You're hired. are hired. I got Absolutely. the job. Absolutely. <laughs> um, good, good luck with the podcast. Um, I would really say to everybody to subscribe to it, especially if you've got the legend that is David Jason uh, coming up as well. If you've heard this, it may already have happened. It may not have happened until later on, but honestly, good luck with everything. Um, Thank you again for for being a wonderful guest. We've really enjoyed chatting to you. Um, It's been a real pleasure. So thank you very much. It's all right. I'm going to go back and
4: I'm going to watch it all again, just so that if ever anybody says to me, who said this line? <laughs> <laughs> oh, i bloody know next
0: time <laughs> well, we'll, we'll have you back uh, neil do you want to just finish off your yes, little yes absolutely
2: absolutely you can find us on all the social media sites under this country pod you can email us if you've got any questions or you'd like to talk to us under wtaf this country at hotmail.com and also do come to our website where you can check out everything that we do plus tickets to our live show next year in may at
0: wtafpodcast.com Wonderful, and you can come and support the podcast by joining our Patreon. It's patreon.com forward slash WTAF. That's it. Thank you very much, everybody. Thank you once again, Mike.
4: That's all right. Yeah, it's okay. I'm just going to go downstairs. A bloke called Rob Robinson's just come round.
0: Who's that? I don't know who you're talking about. You know Rob. You remember Rob? No. No. Rob. Salamander. (laughs) Hey, it's Salamander, man. The, man. Man. <laughs> the latest Marvel creation yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you very much Neil thank you very much Pav thank you very, thank you very much, much everybody pa. else and go and get plumbed you fuckers
1: Scarecrow Festival is like the most important idea yeah. what daft cow this is just ridiculous what the actual fuck
0: Neil.
2: Pav. Do you shave downstairs? Well, I do live in a bungalow.
0: No, 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 no. Not that kind of downstairs. I mean your balls. My balls? Your balls. My balls? Your balls. My balls? Yes, your balls. Now, listen. We have partnered up with Manscaped.com for the very best in under-the-waist grooming. (laughs) Oh, just what I wanted. (laughs) So, as a faithful WTAF listener, we can offer you 20% plus free shipping. If you go to www.manscaped.com and use the discount code WTAF. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D.com. Use the discount code WTAF for 20% off and free shipping. Would you use it? i tell you what, Neil. Don't answer that. I can tell you because I've used it and it feels like I'm walking on air. Nice. Go to manscape.com and use the discount code WTAF for 20% off and free shipping. And how much discount again pal It is 20% plus free shipping. Wow, what's not to
2: love? I'm going to get on that now. Smooth Look at- balls. <laughs> Look after your balls.
0: hi i'm pav and i'm neil we're here to tell you about a new exciting project the top 10 of anything podcast phenomenal that's right neil we grab a guest or two pick a subject then bring our own top 10s to the pod yes it could be top 10 scary movies top 10 swear words top 10 breakfast foods yum, yum. anything oh you saucy devil